This is the Doctor, President-elect of the High Council of Time Lords. I am definitely a madman with a box. Anyone for Jelly, baby? I'm the Doctor. I'm 904 years old. I'm from the planet Gallifrey in the constellation of Castabras. Hey, who fans, welcome to the Big Blue Box Podcast. My name's Gary. My name's Adam. And we're at episode 76. 76. Hope you guys have had a cracking week. And you found something Doctor Who to fill your lives up in between podcasts. Um, We've got a really, really cool classic story to go through this week yeah. <laughs> um actually is cool the right word i'm not quite sure there's definitely a lot of words yep there's a lot an of interesting words one <laughs> to describe that. yeah interesting is probably up there um so we've got that today we've got some cool new stuff some cool little news uh items Nothing. that have surfaced in the last couple of days and uh yeah so let's um let's crack on indeedy indeedy mm. mr adam Hello there. What have you been up to the past week, old buddy? What have I been up to? Um, not a lot, apart from watching the review episode. Um, I have been, I have been tempted with some very nice bits of merchandise this oh, week. Oh, you're right. Um, yes, there's a couple of nice little things that have sprung up actually, uh, which are both steel books. Um, firstly, I purchased, well, I pre-ordered, I should say, the new Spearhead from Space steel book. Oh, you did. Yeah, which oh, okay. took me a bit by surprise. I wasn't expecting that to come out. Um, I don't know. I know there's probably a lot of people out there that, that collect steelbooks and stuff. I'm only just really starting to get into them. I do really like them. Um, okay. Because I think they kind of make... They're always a bit more expensive, but uh, they do kind of make as a nice... I don't know, a nice addition to your collection, I guess. So the Spearhead one looks really nice. It does, um, yeah. I'm guessing that it's exactly the same as it was we know when it got released before but it's a it's a cracking blu-ray that it is so i ordered yeah. that and then another steel book was announced just the other day for series nine mm. with this um quite unusual artwork i would say and I, I really like it i think it's one of those things that you'll either you'll either think looks great or it won't be your thing but um i, I really like it and it's it's very different i would say it's kind of like a artist portrait of the doctor on one side and clara on the other and then I guess the sort of standard picture inside when you open it up. So I thought it was a really nice looking thing. Yeah. Um, so yeah. So I've so I've pre-ordered both of those this week, um, and that's pretty much what I've done. Who wise? But yeah, they do look good. I don't know. Are you a steel book person? Um, I'm not a steel book person because I've chose not to be. I've just not really picked any up yet. Um, but I have to say this. The spearhead from space one looks really good, and it's mm. it's it's more to do with just like um, like the packaging, I suppose. The, you know, it's all about the artwork and the packaging because the actual um, the content within the discs on this version, anyway, was spearhead from space, and I think series nine one as well. Mm. It's the same. It's yeah. just it looks a bit nicer, doesn't it, on the shelf? Um, so, um, uh, like you, I've ordered the spearhead one. Oh, excellent! Uh, I've not ordered the series nine one yet, um, but the artwork you mention is—it's um, the she's done quite a few. Um, the artist has done quite a few pieces of Doctor Who work, um, and her name is Alice Zhang. 
Yeah. Alice X Zhang. And she's done some of the covers for the comics when they first came out from Titan as well. Um, and I don't know if you... What, what programme was it? I think it was the... I think it was the program that the BBC put out just before Peter Capaldi started. It was like a behind the scenes thing when they did like a, a road trip, went to like some cities around the world and promoted it oh, and stuff. Oh, yes. Yeah. You know that one? Yeah. Um, and this same artist, um, she she caught up with them, I think when they were in America or Australia, one of the two. And she gave them both um, like an original of each of them. It's not that one that was that really strange picture, is it? No, 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 not. no. That was. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean. I know which one you mean. Yeah, it it's wasn't bit, that one. Um, no. Yeah, it's um, a bit odd. It, yeah. yeah, that was a bit strange. But no, this was. Um, she presented uh, like a, I think they're quite large, A three or A two size. Oh right. To okay. Peter and and Jenna, and they look really good. But they, it does look stunning, doesn't it? Oh, it really does. Yeah, it looks yeah. nice. Like I said, it just makes it a little bit different, I suppose. Yeah, something a bit bit unusual to have. So. Yeah, yeah, I think it's about, yeah, the spearhead one, what was that, about £16, something like that? Yeah, something like that. Series 9 is more closer to 40 so not cheap. But then I think the standard version is around about 35 so it's just, you know, a few quid more. But, yeah. yeah, I know a lot of people probably, I don't know, so they did release Series 9 in Part 1 and Part 2, which, again, seems a bit pointless, but um, I don't know if people out there bought bought those. You didn't get them as Part 1 or 2, did you? No, I, I don't okay. do that. I don't. I, I wait until the complete. Uh, yeah. box that comes out i mean i know people who have got who have picked up parts one and two um it's, mm, it's it's weird it's a little bit like um it's a little bit uh, do you spend more buying both parts it probably works out was it a little same? bit cheaper i think they were like 15 pounds each i forget now but i think it works out it, it's there's not a lot in it let's right, put it that way right. but you always get more extras on the complete set don't That's you right. although yeah. not a great deal extra on this one when when i actually looked at what was on it but um but yeah i think you tend to get a bit more on the complete set so i try and i try and wait although i'm not very good at, at waiting for stuff <laughs> i wasn't <laughs> yeah. even tempted to get them as well but yeah, yeah. so i probably will pre-order this one at some point um yeah, but Spearhead from Space, though, that's ordered, man. It is a, yeah, it's yeah. a great one. I mean, even, I think even if you have it, it's such a good story, and it looks amazing on Blu-ray. I think we both agree they did a did a fantastic job remastering yeah. it or, or doing whatever they do with these things. And Absolutely. Yeah, yeah yep. it's a nice steelbook to have. Yeah, so I've, yeah, I think you've got it as well. I think I've got it on Blu-ray already, but I think it's just a nice, like, addition, you know. Nice so, to have on that shelf of yours. So when you now you've tidied it, yeah. Well, the, the shelf with all the Blu-rays and DVDs is downstairs. So oh, right. when I'm giving people a tour, of like the east wing of the house, yeah, going past the bookcase, like this is Spearhead <laughs> and Spearhead Steelbook. Yeah, nice. Hands off. <laughs> Hands off. Yeah. <laughs> so that's it, mate. You've had it for a fairly quiet week. Uh, pretty much, yeah. The only other thing I did, I watched the second part of the Marigold Hotel, um, would you call it a documentary? I'm not sure. But the one with Sylvester yeah. McCoy and all the other celebs that have gone off to India, um, it was really good. Have you managed to catch up with this yet? Uh, no spoilers, please, because I've, okay. uh, um, I've, I've put them on to record on Skybox, so I've, I've yet to watch them. But uh, okay. is it still entertaining as before? Yeah, if anything, yeah. this week's was, was even better. This week's was brilliant. Yeah, okay. really, really enjoyed that. So nice. I think there's only one more to go. I think there's only three in this series. Actually, it's weird because um, this isn't a spoiler, but no, oh, maybe it is. 
No, all right, I won't say anything. Oh, no, I was just going to say Sylvester <laughs> doesn't feature much in the second part. Right. Um, um, and it's weird because as soon as I mentioned that halfway through, I said, God, Sylvester hasn't said one word yet. He suddenly seemed to come into it. <laughs> it's as if the producer was listening in. So, uh, but yeah, no, it's good. It's well worth, well worth catching up on. Yeah. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, so what yeah. have you what have you been up to on this this week since we last recorded? Ah, this week. Um I've been watching some some classic who. Oh. Um as always. So I always do that every week um when there's no newer Doctor Who on TV. I'm always digging out DVDs and whatever to stick on. So we've watched um I've watched Delta. Yeah. Um twice now. Ooh. Which is because uh, um, I must admit the first time I watched it, it was a little bit distracting because there was, I, I paused it to like go and sort the dinner out, oh, came back to it and then watched the other one a couple of hours later and then watched part three while putting the boy to bed and stuff like that. So I thought the, the first time that I watched it through, because um, I'd only seen it once before that, but yeah. I thought it was just really distracting. So I thought, yeah, I, I, there's certain bits that have like leaked out of my memory, my short term memory. So um yeah, so I stuck it on. I stuck it on again yesterday, um, and yeah. So I've been so I've watched Delta again for the second time for my sins, um, and uh, also gone through um, and stuck on uh, some more Tom Baker. So I've gone back and watched uh, The Ark in Space. Oh right, yeah. Um, which is one that I I hadn't finished watching. Oh, which is bizarre because I. I remember when I got through to the last part, I thought, I haven't seen this bit. I was certain that I'd watched all of it. Mm. And it's um it's a cracking story. And I thought, why why does why is this not familiar? Why why do I not recognise this like the end, like the last half hour? Yeah. And I was thinking, that's because I haven't bloody seen it before. All right. <laughs> so for some reason I I've the you know, that escapes me. I can't think of it now, but I must have had to turn it off for some reason and not gone back to it. So so that was cool. Yeah. Um picked up a bit of merch. Oh, yeah, I saw this on your Facebook, yeah. Yeah, so um, found this really cool little bookshop. You've probably seen, uh, if you guys follow us on Twitter and Facebook, I found this amazing little bookshop when I was down um, on the way to Brighton in Eastbourne uh, called Camilla's. And I'll tell you what, buddy, it's like a bookshop from 50 years ago. Oh, wow. Um, it's it's definitely not like Waterstones or anything like that at all. <laughs> it's like... Um, um, pretty much every book is secondhand. Yeah. Um, and they've just got thousands and thousands of books over three floors. And um, it, they're, they're kind of grouped into order. Um, but I remember having a wander in there thinking, oh, this bookshop's really cool. And it reminded me of like um, how they set the, you know, the original Ghostbusters movie yeah. at, at the beginning when they're in the New York library and they just oh. find these stacks of books from like floor to ceiling. Yeah, it's like that pretty much throughout the you know every floor. I, I would love it. I, I I'm in heaven in places. Oh, like it that. was amazing. Yeah, <laughs> and because um, I actually went in there thinking, right, they've obviously got loads of old books. I'm going to try and pick up some of the old Target books. Mm. So I found this guy like buried under a mountain of books at the back of the the back of the shop, and I said, "Excuse me, um, could you tell me if you've got any books on Doctor Who, uh, more specifically some of the older ones by Target?" And he was like. Um, target yes what you want to do is you want to go up to the third floor mm. and as you go around the staircase there's a bookshelf on your right hand side before you go through the door and i think it's the third shelf down we've got some of the old target books there i was like oh. okay brilliant so um 
had a had a stroll up there and I managed to pick up a couple of old ones. They, they had about five or six in there. So I got um, Doctor Who and the Crusaders and Doctor Who and the Zabi, mm. which apparently are two very good stories. I also picked up a um, a 10th Doctor story as well uh, called Stone Rose. Oh, yes. Which yeah. I'm looking forward to reading as well. Mm. Um, but just very quickly on this bookshop, I ended up getting completely trolled by the bloody pet parrot they had on the third floor. What? This <laughs> is... When I was, because the, the bookshelf with all these Doctor Who books was right by the door, the entrance <laughs> to the third floor. And there was no one else up there. And when I was looking at these books, all I heard was, hello. And I put my head around and I was like, hello. No answer. I was like, that's pretty weird. And then a minute later, I was like, uh, all I could hear was, hello. So I went, hello? <laughs> Nothing. And I thought, this is a bit bizarre. Somebody's just on the phone or something so when it happened a third time i walked in there and i walked around and i i couldn't see anybody and then right over in the corner was a, a huge um uh, parrot's cage and there was a parrot in there and as i approached it he went hello and i'll tell you what mate it's it was the freakiest thing i've ever heard i bet because it How was yeah, random it was perfect english like completely perfect as if a human being had said it yeah it was really surreal and uh as I walked away, he was like, goodbye. <laughs> I was like, okay, goodbye. I love the sound of this bookshop. I'm, I'm going to have to find it. I it think, yeah, brilliant. I think you'd love it, mate. If you're into like um, just having a good old browse around, like, you know, oh, and they, they must have literally any type of book that you can think of. Because as I was standing to pay for mine, some, some, uh, some girl came in and she was like, have you got any books on like Wicca stuff? And she's like, yes, yeah, so it's like a witchcraft section over in the corner there. And they've got like crystal books. And so, they, yeah, they've got everything. It's uh, it's amazing. So I picked up a few Target books. I love the cover on these because that's what I love about the original books. The covers yeah. are so cool, aren't they? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they're awesome. And the only thing I've done is done a bit of big finish shopping. All right. Uh, yeah. So there's a couple of stories there that I've wanted to pick up for a little while now. So I picked up um, uh, a Davison story, uh, Perry and the Piscon Paradox. Oh, yes, yeah. Uh, which apparently was reviewed really well because I wanted to pick up some Davison stuff because I've neglected uh, Old Pete for a while. Mm. Uh, and I picked up We Are the Daleks. Sylph. Oh, McCoy, yeah. 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 So, yes. So, uh, eagerly awaiting the CDs whenever they arrive from Big Finish. But um got the old MP3s, shoved them into iTunes. Yeah, so that is the good yep. thing, isn't it? You get the download, so you got it straight away. Yep. It's yeah. always worth buying direct from Big Finish because... I know you, if you buy the CDs from somewhere else, you can probably rip them as MP3s, but it's just effort. With Big Finish, you just you get it all there for free. So, yeah, I don't. So, and I like, I like the fact you get all the covers as well and everything. With mm -hmm. do you know what I mean when you get the download? Because like you said, I um, I used to get mine from Forbidden Planet um, for a while, and and then I realised that Big Finish gave the downloads with it, yep. so I started getting them direct. And yeah, like you said, it's, it's just it's easier. And also, I just love the fact you get all the artwork and stuff with it. So. Yes. just makes it better so it sounds like you had some good pickups there i love the sound of that bookshop like i was thinking you saying about it being like the ghostbusters one would have yeah. been quite funny if it I just imagine if it had been that goat remember the ghost woman in that scene and uh, they turn around yeah the purple you know, ghost hello yeah. it would have been that but yeah. yeah it's an awesome shop it's um on that same street there's a really good vinyl record shop as well oh wow i would be in heaven yeah so um yeah if you're ever in eastbourne it's uh, it's in town, and next door to the vinyl shop is a really good coffee shop called Beans as well. <laughs> so it's a really nice little street to spend a couple of hours on. 
It sounds brilliant. Sounds yeah. brilliant. Yeah. I guess what I love about those shops is they always seem to know where stuff is as well. Do you know I, mean? I just love the fact that he knew exactly where to go rather than being like some bigger branded bookshops where they're just like, oh, I don't know, over there somewhere. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. Those bigger branded ones, they'll be like, they'll just say like sci fi's downstairs or yeah. something like that. But he knew exactly what shelf and what bookshelf it was on. And love yeah, it. it's all good. Good stuff. Yeah. So that's our adventures in Doctor Who stuff. Mm-hmm. For the last week, I suppose. Shall we land this and get into some newsy bits? Yes, let's land it. Let's do it. First up this week, we got some good news for fans of audiobooks. I also, love yeah. Also, good news if you're into the Lethbridge Stewart books from Candy Jar. Yes. Yeah. So, um, these uh, really popular books have now uh, are now going to get the audiobook treatment, which is awesome news. Yeah. Uh, so, um, our good friend Mr. Andy, I think popped this on Twitter the other day, mm. um, or was it last week? I can't remember. Saying um, that these uh, the first four books. Um, uh, in the Lethbridge Stewart um, storyline, um, we're going to get the audio uh, book treatment, which is really good. Um, uh, and now we can, uh, uh, and now we find out that they're going to be read by Terry Malloy. Oh, awesome! Love Terry Malloy, which is even better news because, yeah. uh, um, obviously, for those of you who don't know, um, Terry Malloy was the uh, was the voice um, or the actor that played Davros mm. for quite a while. Yeah. Um, actually really really good as davros oh he's a brilliant Amazing, davros, yeah. yeah yeah i don't um, think he'll be reading these in that voice but <laughs> it would be funny wouldn't it that would, he was get, going mental <laughs> yeah that would be um yeah that, that would be quite strange to <laughs> yeah. davros to read these but yeah terry malloy um uh is, is going to be reading these ones and um yeah so uh apparently according to uh to uh andy frankamannon um uh, he's saying that the the fans have asked for this for a while now. Yeah, uh, he says the fans asked and we have listened. Uh, it's a real delight to hear Terry Malloy bring the book and indeed the characters to life. Uh, even though I wrote the first book, I found myself listening and wondering what was going to happen next. Such is mm. the power of Terry's rich performance. Mm. Um, so, if you're a fan of these Lethbridge Stewart books, uh, which you hopefully should be because they're really really good, um, and you want to check out the audio books, um, yeah, do that. They should be out. Uh, when are they? They should be out in April. April. Well, what sort of price are they? Uh, it doesn't say at the moment. All oh, right. Okay. Yeah, but they're. Um, this is in conjunction with Phantom Films. Yeah. Um, and Phantom Films are the guys that put on those really cool little conventions mm. uh, that we've uh, we've been to one, haven't we? In Chiswick, you've been oh, to a couple. Yeah. 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 Um, and you can buy them separately. So the first four: uh, the Forgotten Sun, the Schizoid Earth. Beast of Fang Rock and the mutually assured uh, mutually assured domination. Mm. Uh, you can pick them up as a bundle, or four, or four of them, or individually. I've got a couple of audiobooks by Phantom actually. The the of people reading their biographies and stuff. I've got um, Jacqueline Pierce one and that. They're really good, really really good. So I'm, I'm I'm looking forward to these. I've read the first three. I've just funny enough. Um, I've just picked up Mutually Assured Domination, which is a brilliant title. Yeah. Um, and I've literally just picked it up, so I haven't read it. But the, these are great books. I mean, they are, 
you know, we do recommend them all the time. They are really, really good. Of course. And I love yep. the artwork on these as well, don't you? Just think the, the artwork on so good. Yeah, well, we, we mentioned, I'm, I'm pretty sure when we had Mr. Andy on, when we had him on the show last year, we spoke about the, the cover artwork for a bit. Yeah. It's really good. And they've continued, um, I assume they've used the same uh, the same artist to do that. And Looks uh, like it. Yeah. they're all really good. They've got a really nice retro classic y kind of feel to them. They look really good. Mm. Um, and I must just correct myself. I'm very sorry. The Forgotten Sun audiobook is out this month in February. Oh, cool. Um, the next one in March. Um, uh, and the other ones are in June and July. Mm. Even though yeah. I've read these, I'm, I am tempted to pick them up because I do. I do love just putting on an audio book, mm. you know, and uh, and just drifting off and having it in the background. So, yeah, really good. good um, okay. Uh, in other news, uh, staying on the subject of books, actually, and also Target novelizations. Um, BBC Books are reissuing seven of the Target novelizations, um, and they've picked some great ones. I think they did this a couple of years ago, didn't they? I remember buying yes. a couple of these yep. before. Um, I'm trying to think which ones they released. Was it Three Doctors and a few others? But um, so basically, in the same sort of style, um, mm -hmm. and this time they're releasing a few more. So they're going to be reissuing uh, the Zombie, which is the one you picked up, yep. but uh, a nice new, fresh copy of that. Yeah. Uh, Web of Fear. Cool. Yeah. The Dinosaur Invasion. Uh, Genesis of the Daleks. That'd be good. Yeah. Um, and also a couple of ones that have been out before, but they're going to have the you know the same sort of classic style cover. Um, the, the original Target books had. So we're going to have The Visitation, Vengeance on Varus, and Battlefield. <laughs> Battlefield, right. Well. So a really, I think they've picked some really good ones here. And um, and I love these books. I think they, they the, the retail price is six ninety nine, but they tend to get a little bit cheaper when they first come out. Um, and they've commissioned the, uh, now I never know how to say his surname, Chris, how would you say Achilles? Achilles, Achilles, I think. Yeah, Chris, yep. who did all this, a lot of the classic um, Target covers, and so they've commissioned him to do some three new ones for the uh, Visitation, Vengeance, and Battlefield. Um, so it keeps them all in that same sort of style, if Excellent. you like. Yeah, which uh, is really, really good. Yeah, um, I, I will definitely. There's no doubt in my mind. I would definitely be getting these because I just love this sort of thing. Um, and they're, they're doing digital copies as well, which I don't think they've done before. Um, and they're coming out, they're going to be $4.99. Okay, so all that Kindle, uh, Kindle versions, yeah. Yeah, 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 digital editions, yeah. If you like your digital. Me, I prefer to actually have the old, you know, the old-fashioned book myself. <laughs> I like to clutter up my shelves with them. Um, and also, later on in the year, around November time, they're going to be doing some hardback facsimile editions wow. uh, of the first three Doctor Who novels ever published. So that'll be the Daleks, the Zabi, and uh, the Crusaders, funny enough. So they were the two, they yeah. were the three first ones ever produced, apparently. So you've got two of the first ones there, by the sounds of it. Yeah, I've got originals. Yeah, that's good. That is cool. good, yeah. And uh, Battlefield. Mm. Mm. So are you tempted by these? I am definitely tempted by these. When you mentioned about digital versions and stuff, um, I actually do both. Do you? I've got the Kindle app, which has got quite a few on there. However, <laughs> Doctor Who books, it has to be the physical the physical book to have in your hands and put on the shelf. So um, yeah. um and these are reasonably priced as well, six ninety nine. And they're really good reads as well. If you um uh if you can have a, a Google around for people who have reviewed these old target books you'll generally find that they're very well written books and they're, oh, they're they reviewed are. quite highly a lot of the time so um yes 
definitely worth picking these up, especially um, from what I hear anyway. I've not read it yet, but the Zabi, mm. uh, Genesis of the Daleks, and probably Web of Fear mm. um, by Terence Dix. That'll be um, those ones will be uh, real highlights. I think. I think. Yeah, I, I love these ones. I gotta say, I know when the first batch of reissues come out. I'm trying to think. It would have been a couple of years ago now. Um, Forbidden Planet did a brilliant signing for them. Um, bizarrely, not by the authors, though. They had, like, Carol Ann Ford there and Fraser Hines and the artist whose name I can't pronounce, Chris Achilleos. Achilleos. Um, he yeah. was there. And, yeah, it was really good, actually, just to um, just to get, get them signed by these people. As I say, it's just bizarre they didn't have the... Oh, no, Terence Dix was there. He was there. Terence Dix was there. Yeah. Um, so it'd be really good if uh, if they do something like that again. That'd, that'd be great. Yeah, it would uh, be good. Nothing to say they will, but I'm just thinking, yeah, it w- would be good. So, yeah, nice addition to the ongoing, never-ending, <laughs> and long may it continue, Doctor Who book range. Of course, yeah. Uh, lastly in the news, um, quite an interesting little tidbit of uh, uh, of of media that's come out uh, in the last uh, couple of days. Um, the Day of the Doctor, the 50th anniversary, as we know, was uh, was originally meant to feature... Chris Eccleston, because mm. uh, we had um, uh, this the news story, didn't we, where we saw uh, Chris Eccleston uh, having lunch with the moth, oh, lunch yeah. or dinner, um, <laughs> and I think the purpose of that was was the moth to lay out the storyline and try and coax Mister Eccleston into appearing, and he told him to bugger off. I'd love to have been a fly on the wall in that yes. restaurant, wouldn't yep. you? I assume he's holding to bugger off quite politely, but uh, but in a northern accent. Yeah, so he so he declined uh, to appear in the fiftieth. So we got the War Doctor instead. Um, but there have been a few storyboards that have popped up, mm. um, which shows what would have happened and what the story and what would have appeared on screen if the Ninth Doctor was would have appeared. So, um, so the, a guy called Andrew Wildman. Um, who's like a comic book guy and uh, he's done some TV work and and that stuff. But he's also, um, uh, when he's doing TV work for Doctor Who, on this anyway, when he worked on this show, he put together a load of storyboards for the story um, so that they could map out, you know, scene by scene, you know, how the story would go. Um, And he's released um, a few of them to show the ninth Doctor. Mm. So I'm assuming this was all kind of worked up in pre-production before any meetings and stuff happened with, with Chris and stuff before he declined to appear. Yeah. Um, and it only reveals a little bit. We see um, like the normal, um, we, we, we see like the scene that we got in there already with Clara zooming along on the motorbike towards the TARDIS. Um, and then we see um, uh, a storyboard, which is that barn on Gallifrey. Yeah, and in, looking at that now. Yeah, mm. and instead of John Hurt, the war doctor standing there, it's Chris Eccleston. Um, with um, which ended up in, uh, being Billy Piper as the moment um, mm. uh, with Chris, and we have like that time vortexy thing that they throw there that he throws oh, his feds through and yeah. stuff like that. Um, so this is really interesting, and there's another couple of storyboards as well where it just shows Chris like his character like turning, you know, with this yeah, interesting expression on his face and so on. But it's a nice little insight into you know what we would have got. Um, if Chris would have, have come back. So um, I'm pretty sure that most people are fairly happy with how it turned out anyway um, with John Hurt and the War Doctor. 
Mm. But I can't help thinking, there's a little part of me that can't help thinking how how amazing it would have been to have had Chris, uh, David and Matt on screen at the same time. Oh, definitely. You I mean, I, I, I love John Hurt in Day of the Doctor, but there's no doubt in my mind that... I would have loved Chris to have been there. I was gonna. I was about to say Chris should have been there, but there's no. You know, it's it's down to him, obviously. But no, I would have loved it. I, I think yeah. because he brought the series back in 2005. I, that's why I think he should have been there. Um, that's what I mean by that because he was so important to to it returning to our screens. Oh. And I think he did did a great job. Um, yes. I would. Yeah, I would have loved Chris to have been in this. I really would have. Um, I don't know. Would it have been too busy to have had the War Doctor in it as well? Because I just do adore John Hurt as War Doctor. But yeah, um, you know, part of me just thinks I, I actually would. I probably would. I probably would have preferred Chris in it. There's a, only slightly. As much as I loved the War Doctor, I just would have loved to have Chris to have been in it. And seeing these storyboards just makes you think how great. Because I can picture him looking at these pictures. I can actually imagine him in it doing these scenes. And I just think it would have been great, you know. Yeah. Um, I would have loved to have had him and the War Doctor. I'd like to be greedy and have them all in it. <laughs> Why not? It's a multi-Doctor story, so it could have worked. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, and I, I think I feel the same way, mate. I think a little part of me just wishes that he would have been in it. And not, mm. not to take anything away from John Hurt's character or his performance, because it, you know, it was amazing, you know, and really did you know turn it into a you know an amazing story however there is that little part of in your mind isn't there that just thinks you know what if you know what yeah. if he'd have agreed to come back and yeah i think it would have been too busy to have the war doctor on there as well so i think the three of them though could have been i don't know i think the banter between the three of them would have just been so good so yeah, I, would, I would have liked to have had uh, I would not only like to have had the war doctor in it i would like to have had paul mcgann in it <laughs> i'd like I, if it had been me I'd have gone the whole hog and had thrown it all in there and the kitchen sink. And the, the, yeah, so you'd have had all three plus McGann plus the War Doctor. Yeah, plus the TARDIS swimming pool. Yeah. Everything. Everything. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. So that's, um, and you can pick, if, you've, if you're lucky enough to bump into um, to Andrew Wellman, he does, um, it does appear at uh, some conventions and stuff. Mm. Um, and he sells these storyboards as well. You can buy them as like a little pack. Um, so if you're ever at any um, Comic Cons, because I know some of the conventions that, um, things like the showmasters one yeah things like that they do actually have a like a comic book area like comic book artist area and stuff like that so if he's there at any of them you'd be able to pick these uh, little storyboards up it's a nice little nice little behind the scenes insight into uh into the making of that story mm. yeah that's gonna do for news buddy yeah some good news bits there yes righty-o uh this week right. <laughs> right. <laughs> this week what are we reviewing man this week we're off to the Shangri-La holiday camp and we're reviewing Delta and the Bannermen. Give me Delta and I will give you your life. Life? What do you know about life, Gavrock? You deal in death, lies, treachery, murder are your currency. You promised life, but in the end it will be life which defeats you. You have said enough. Traversed time and space to find the Shimmering Queen. I will not be defeated. As you will. I came here under a white flag, and I will leave under that same white flag. And woe betide any man who breaches its integrity. Let's set aside. Release those prisoners. Gavrock, it's over. 
You're finished. And we're leaving. Actually, I think I may have gone a little too far. Yes. Ooh, Sylvester. Yeah, that, that's <laughs> definitely one of those, isn't it? Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and boy. also, it's a bit of a ooh, because what is Gavrock eating in that scene? That horrible piece of meat. Yes. Anyway. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, brother. Right. Um, so, Delta and the Bannermen. Delta and the Bannermen, yes. Um, What's it all about? I've not really got any clue as to where to start uh, with this one, mate. Um, uh, right, I'm not going to go through the entire plot. No. Um, purely because it won't make any sense to you anyway. Um, but very, very roughly, there's a war happening between um, the Shimmerons and uh, the Shimmeron Queen, um, aptly called Delta, um, uh, is on the run from Gavrock and the Bannermen. And she happens to um, hitch a ride on... Um, she happens to hitch a ride on a uh, holiday bus, um, which is going back originally to Disneyland in 1950... No, oh, 1959. 1959, yeah. yeah. Um, and uh, the Doctor is also en route as well because... Um, I can't believe I'm talking about this uh, because uh, Mel, um, who is still very, you know, uh, miffed—not miffed, but she's still dying for a holiday—and the actually the absolute disaster of a holiday that she had previously in oh. Paradise Towers. <laughs> she um, she's now desperate for a decent break, decent uh, holiday. So the doctor agrees because, um, yeah, the doctor agrees. Yes, that's all good. And end up going to South Wales in 1959 to Shangri-La holiday camp. Hmm. Um, pursued by the Bannermen. Yes. And while we're there, we get treated to um, such emotions such as despair and love and angst and comedy and humour and bad American accents and honey and bees and motorbikes and meat and yeah green babies green babies and all sorts jam so yeah and essentially the story goes it's you know the doctor um quickly realizes who delta is um uh, is also fully aware of who the bannermen are and you know what their intentions are um and after a bit of an up and down rocky road of some hostage crisis and some some nice motorcycle sidecar racing they end up tricking those guys into plenty of bee stings and away they go <laughs> that bit did make me laugh actually when he turns up with all those stings all over his face <laughs> yes um okay so that's pretty much it um yeah now off the bat i think i think you all got you guys are pretty much expecting or expectant on us to to say that this is one of the more bonkers um out there crazy classic doctor who stories from the mccoy era in fact, I'd go as far to say it's the most um, just bizarre. Um, not not bizarre in terms of it's you know it's the concept is far out there, but just 
just the production and the supporting cast and some of the acting and stuff and everything it's just a crazy ride it's just it's three episodes long isn't it it's um yeah 25 minutes each three episodes um and it was back in 1987 so we're coming to the end of the 80s now Mm. so um it's uh I don't, it just feels like completely balmy from start to finish. I don't know how yeah. you felt about this one, but I yeah, um, but kind of a um, kind of a, a charming balmy. Mm. I think it's the right way to say it. Um, yeah, <laughs> I think balm is a good word. I think balmy is is quite apt for this story. Balmy. Yeah, because yeah. we're in, we're in McCoy's first series season series. Yeah. Um, this, like I said, follows on from Paralyzed Towers, a very dark and gritty story. Um, and this is definitely much more lighthearted, isn't it? There's lots of, lots of, um, yeah. I, I actually, there are lots of nice moments in it. There are <laughs> in yeah. between all the madness. Yes. Yeah. It's um, it's it's a harmless episode as well. You definitely. know, it, it doesn't really deal with any, um there's no dark undertones really that we've seen in doctor who of previous years up to this point mm-hmm. it's not really it hasn't got an agenda of like trying to be like political or it's not any the doctor doesn't really go dark or anything like that it's just a real light-hearted you know just fun hour and a half's worth of of who really yeah um, i've forgotten it was only three episodes actually when i put it in to rewatch it the other day i was in my head thinking it was a four-parter so when okay. i saw it was three i was slightly relieved <laughs> i thought okay yeah good at, you know i can because I, I was thinking of watching two episodes and then two the following day but i thought oh no i could polish this all off in one evening uh and you know and make some notes um yeah but yeah i, I i'm guessing from your tone that despite all its faults it's still quite a fun watch yeah it's not one that you put on and just think oh when is this gonna end no no and i think um i think this story does like I think we've done a couple of stories like this before where it generally comes under a lot of criticism and a lot of flag. Mm-hmm. Um, however, you really have to just take it for what it is. It's not trying yeah. to be serious. It, you know, it's not trying to be uh, anything other than what it is. And it's just it's just a, a, a massive bit of fun, really. Yeah. And you have, to, the, yeah, sorry. you have to just appreciate it for what it is, I think. Yeah. I was going to say, I do get the impression from this that the the... the production crew and everybody involved they look like they're having such a good time and i I, it just that i don't know it just i can imagine they really enjoyed filming this it's um everybody in it just seems to be really giving it everything even if they're not that good (laughs) they still seem to be just sort of giving everything can i i don't know there's there's definitely fun comes from this and i i would imagine it was quite fun to film and yes there, there are some nice nice little bits of detail in it i think you know there, there's some nice shots and the way it's filmed and that i think i don't know i just get the feeling they went down there and just had a, a really good time yeah. yeah and if um interesting you say that actually because when i was doing a bit of research um for it if you just if you want if you go on youtube and just put in just delta and the bannerman um you'll see that um there was a guy that was involved in the filming um in the filming of it um and he's put up i think he's put three different videos um and they're all like 15 minutes long or whatever just completely full of outtakes oh really just the entire cast and everybody um just having um like you say just uh 
just having literally just gone down to a holiday camp um, and just having a, a, a good time with it, really. Um, so, yeah, if you do a search on YouTube, the guy's name is Gary Craig. Um, and he put him on there quite a few um, quite a few years ago now. Mm. Um, he just goes on to say that he worked on the shoot of Delta and during the summer of 1987. Um, and he made this video for the cast. And it's literally like just goofing around, plenty of laughs and these funny outtakes and stuff. So I can well believe, mate, what you say. It does look like all of them. And like you say, even if they're not that great, they're just having a, a having a laugh and giving it their all, really. Yeah. Um, so let's what, speak. Sorry, sorry, go on. I guess that's one of the things I love about it is it is, is, is different, you know, yeah. um, like the setting. Because uh, I love Heidi High, the old 80s classic <laughs> comedy. Um, and this, I suppose, can sort of be compared to that in a way. Um, so I love the fact that Doctor Who goes to a, you know, I mean, we don't, do we still see these sort of things around? Not so much now, but they used yeah. to be quite big, didn't they? Holiday camps, yeah. families who go down there and, and that sort of thing. So, yeah, I, I think it's it's interesting in that sense that it's um, somewhere that the Doctor hasn't really been before. It makes for, for quite a, a different setting, if you like. Yes. Yeah. And these holiday camps are all the rage. Yeah. Back in the 80s, it's... Um, we know them now as Butlins and is it Haven, those type of things. I mean, they've yeah. changed quite a lot now. They're not like this anymore. Mm. Um, but all it is is just um, a, a bunch of chalets mm. um, down near the seaside, pretty much. Yeah, um, was, I was teasing my partner because, like, you know, I love locations. Yeah. And um, when I put this on, I did point to the screen and say, you know, if this place was still going, we'd be going there, don't you? Uh, <laughs> and just saw the blood draining away yeah but yeah no, I, yeah it's very much i mean it does i can well but because it's set in 959 in it so i can well believe uh, from the look of it that it, it's 1959 and they you know they got all the old um vehicles in there and the the, yep. the costumes that they're wearing you know it's all you know they've done a good job sort of creating that sort of period yeah. if you like for what it is anyway do you know what i mean and yeah. the, the space bus and all that is yeah it's um yeah, it's a nice detail in it. Yeah, it is. Um, let's talk. Let's talk about the support cast because there's quite a few. There is. Yeah. Um, so before we get onto the bannermen, the mm. bannermen themselves, um, we have Ken Dodd. Ken Dodd. Yes. Ken Dodd. Um, for those of you who don't know Ken Dodd, he was a very popular comedian and entertainer. Um, I think his career may be probably would have peaked back in the 70s and eight, early 80s i would say i'll tell you what you would not believe how many shows that man is still doing i know he's still going I yeah know, oh yeah. i know yeah i know he's not at his peak but yeah. I, I i um i actually looked up um to see if it, what he was doing these days and it, that man considered how old is he oh he must be in his 80s now he's yeah. got so many shows he's i can't believe it. he's like literally doing like probably 50 all around the country. I mean, I just can't believe you know he's still going. But wow. old Doddy, yeah, old Doddy, yeah. So um, yeah, for the younger listeners out there, um, Ken Dodd is a an old an old comedian now. But back in the day, he was very very popular. Mm. Um, and he has a small part, doesn't he? And um, this is the moment in the story where we realise that the Doctor is the ten billionth customer, or the tenth billionth, the tenth billionth person to, um. Where, where where are they anyway? Do they they're going Tollport G seven one five. Thank you very much. That's <laughs> is it. where they land. Yeah, I always yeah I should remember that. 
I didn't yeah. remember. I've just looked at my notes. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. And because they're the 10 billionth customer, they've won a, a trip to Disneyland, um, but back in 1959. Yeah. Um, and Ken Dodd is the, um, the, the eccentric, um, lively guy who, um, who convinced the doctor's a bit moody at this point, isn't he? He's not really fussed. He, I get the feeling that he's not a fan of Disneyland. No, he doesn't seem to impress. But then, yeah. then again, if you look at the toll pool that they've just landed in, it's not exactly glamorous. It's like rust all down the walls, and it yeah. doesn't look particularly nice, does it? So maybe he's not too impressed. Yes. So they um they they win a prize on the nostalgia tours. Oh yes. Um, trip back to Disneyland and Ken Dodd. He's, I, I for some reason I thought um when I watched this a while ago now I thought he had a bigger part, but he doesn't, does he? He's only in a couple of scenes. Yeah. It's more like a cameo really than than anything else but um some good some good uh chemistry though between him and the and sylv i i actually really like him in it yeah i i must admit i i do remember when um when they advertised this but back in the day uh when you know it said next week doctor who meets ken don i remember thinking i don't know how old i would have been i remember thinking oh you are joking do you know any sort because of, at the time i was thinking any comedian in doctor who just spelt spelt deaf to me i was just thinking oh no that's going to be terrible um, but I really like him in it. He kind of just does his part, you know. He's, mm-hmm. he's sort of adding a bit of comedy in it without going too over the top. Um, and like you said, because the Doctor reacts to him quite seriously, it doesn't ham it up with him. I think it works because the Doctor's sort of not very impressed by him, is he? Yeah. So, do you know what I mean? Yeah. If like if Silver started hamming it up as well, I think it would have sort of um, would have made it too comical. It would have sort of broke the fourth wall a bit. Because you just think, oh, it's just Silver and ken messing around but because yeah. he stays in character like the doctor's just not impressed it makes it even funnier that ken's sort of doing all this crazy you've won and all that sort of thing um so i actually quite like him in it and i think uh, i don't think he should have been in it any more than he was i think it's just a nice little cameo yeah. um and did you i mean did you shed a tear when he when he met his demise when he um, gets shot against the wall <laughs> it is quite sad it's um <laughs> it's, i did i didn't actually think they were going to shoot him I, I must admit i was like they've just killed ken dodd That's, you can't do that <laughs> yeah it was um it was quite sad actually because yeah, yeah he's a, he's innocent really in it, in it all he's likable isn't he yeah so ken dodd as the toll master is pretty cool I'd like to see your face when those aliens are coming through the toll port and, <laughs> and changing into human form. I bet you were killing yourself. Yes. Oh, yeah. That's one thing to mention as well. The um, yeah. um, these aliens as they're coming through to get on the bus. Yeah. They're changing from their original form into human form, and uh, some interesting effects there, should I say? And an interesting alien costume as well. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then when we get to Shangri La, uh, it's just wonderfully welsh isn't yeah. It? yeah um so the guy who runs this place um i think his name's burton mm-hmm. played by richard davies he's uh yeah um just quintessentially welsh in everything you know the accents like true i think he's a welshman um so the accents there um and all the little welshisms as well so yeah um and the other characters as well that we see um uh, what's her name? Uh, the the girl who's in love with oh what Ray Ray yeah she's um she's Welsh as well. Um, so between- I need to look up because there was uh, there was um there's a story about her possibly becoming a companion and I think it's got a bit muddled over the years because I think she might have auditioned for the same part as of of, of um as Ace 
Um, and I, I meant to look it up actually before we recorded, and I forgot because I think there was there was either the possibility that she that Ray, the character, could have come and become a companion, or it might be that they're both actresses um, audition for the same part. I'm not too sure, or it might be both. <laughs> yeah, but, uh, but yeah. Well, that yeah. Apparently, that character was created as a new companion, right? Ray, because Bonnie Langford was originally leaving. Yeah. Um. But it didn't work out because I think Bonnie Langford decided to stay on. How um how do you think Ray would have fared as a companion? Because uh, there is there is a nice chemistry, I suppose, between her and the Doctor. Yeah, but, and, but I don't know. He does feel quite sorry for her because she's in love with this guy Billy, who's like, um, isn't he the uh, the the singer in the entertainment for the. Billy, can I, can I just say while well, I remember that Billy is without doubt the weirdest character in this. <laughs> <laughs> He's like he um, a stalker. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, we'll come on to him in a bit because obviously he starts taking all that. Yeah. Stuff, but um, he's just weird. Yeah, I mean, he's, it's unrequited love, isn't it? Billy yep. and Ray. Billy and uh, Ray. I get the impression they might have had a few dates because you know later on she gets very upset that Billy's taken the Shimmeron Queen to their special place. Yeah. So I get the feeling that he's perhaps... Well, they were childhood take... friends, weren't they? And I think oh, she's yes. had a crush on him for years. Yeah. She's had a thing interested. for him. Yeah, but he's, yeah. Typical guy. Yeah. Typical, Typical man. man. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, yeah, so we'll come on to uh, those guys in a bit more detail. But, yeah, so Burton's the, the, the camp uh, manager, I guess. Mm-hmm. Lovely, um, lovely just Welsh thing about Tones. it yeah um as itself set in south wales and all the staff are welsh as well which is cool i mean he plays quite a good a good part actually person because he's mm. quite he's up for a good ruck isn't he oh yes um he's like when when they find out later in the story that the bannermen um are on their way i think the doctor says you know everyone has to evacuate and you know and get out of the area it's uh he sends all the staff away and he's like, but he doesn't leave. He's like the old army general that won't leave his post sort of thing. Um, so he's he, he, sword out, doesn't he? He's like, come on, bring it on. They yeah. don't like it up. Him. Yeah. yeah, he's got his sword and stuff. So he, he's quite a cool character. I, I really liked him. Um, and, and he wasn't terrible as, because there are some terrible acting. There is some terrible acting, sorry, in this from the support cast. I thought he was pretty good. Yeah, he suits the, suits the part. Yeah. Yeah. Um, obviously an experienced actor, but uh, yes. Old, old Burton. He is one of those actors I've, I recognise. I I've, I've sort of think, well, I've seen him in other things, but I couldn't tell you his name. Do you know what I mean? But he is one of those guys that sort of popped up in a lot of shows uh, around this time, I think. Yeah, I've not seen him in, in you know, anything else, but um, oh. apparently he's been in quite a few things. Yeah, I recognised yep. him. Yeah, definitely recognised him. There's, a, there's another face I recognised, um, but couldn't, again, couldn't tell you his name. But, the, the, you know, the guy, the bounty hunter guy who gets blown up <laughs> he i recognize him as well but uh, i couldn't tell you his name the but he's another face guy. yeah the one who just ends up being a, a pair of smoldering shoes um when he phones gavrock oh him yeah he's from the sideburns yeah oh is he from a band he's from yeah. a band in the 80s yeah um oh blimey what's his name um yes he is from I can't. I can't remember his name or the band's name now. But um, yes, I I thought that as well instantly. I was like, ah, it's that guy from that band from the eighties. Yeah. And I can't remember his uh, 
No, what? that's going to really bug me. I'm trying to Google it as we speak, and I can't think of the name of the band. Um, um, what's his character name? Well, he's just a bounty hunter, but... Because um, he rats out Delta, doesn't he? He, he calls the Bannermen to say uh, that Delta's um, in the southern hemisphere, South Wales, Earth. Yeah. Um, I'll tell you what I do love about that, though. Um, while, we're, while we're on the subject of him, is I do love the conclusion to that cliffhanger because it, it's just a nice... It's a different way of getting out of things. Do you know what I mean? I love the fact that the... Because obviously he's got the Doctor and Ray and he's about to kill them both, isn't he? Yeah. And then <laughs> before he can do that, Gavrock, instead of paying him his bounty money, just blows him up in part two. And I just thought, is it? I did like the, the way they, they got out of that cliffhanger. I thought it was a bit different rather than just like, I don't know, him being knocked out or somebody else coming in or... Do you know what I mean? I just thought that's a good way of getting around it. Yeah, yeah. You know? Yeah, because they, they reverse the signal somehow in his mm. walkie talkie phone thing. Yeah. And, he gets, and yeah, it's just, just a pair of, is it blue suede shoes? Is it, yeah. is it a bit of an in joke? Cause he's just a pair of blue suede shoes smoldering away. Yes. That's all that's yeah. left of it. What's his it? name, mate? I don't know. I've tried Googling it while we've been chatting, but I can't find it. Yeah. Somebody out there will know. Somebody will be screaming at the, at the uh, speaker. As Someone always. Yep. Yeah. Someone's always screaming like, how can you guys not flipping know this? <laughs> no, because I know when someone says that, I'll be like, oh yeah, they weren't a, a big band, but they were a name you'd know, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Um, so that's that, like the Welsh cast, if you like, the guys who who man the, the, the summer camp uh, and that guy as well, the bounty hunter. He's, he only has a small part, but uh, yeah, he, he has a... Uh, he meets his demise, which is in quite a comical way, just the smouldering shoes, yeah. Yeah. Um, and what did you think? Right, there's these, there, are, there are two American chaps. Oh, yeah, I've forgotten about them. Yeah. yeah. Two American chaps who are, because as a little side story um, to what's going mm. on, um, there's a satellite that's been launched, isn't it, by NASA or the US government, whichever way they describe it. Um, yeah. And it's their job to to track this satellite and find out what's... I'm not sure if they're, like, working for NASA or if they're, like, FBI or... I, I don't I, really know what they are. I didn't quite get the story. It's a bit of a strange sub-story, isn't it, this? Because yeah. so, apart from the fact the satellite crashes into the, the tour space bus... Yes. That, I didn't really kind of get what they were, why they were in it, yeah. to be honest. But yeah. Well, that that's the reason why the tour bus ends up at Shangri-La, because... En route to Disneyland, um, they they actually collide with this the top of the satellite, don't they? Yeah. So they have to make a, a landing on Earth, which is how they end up there. And these two American chaps, I have no idea who they are, what they work, who they work for, but it's their job to try and track down and um, just keep tabs on this satellite, basically. Um, and like you, I was a bit confused as to why they're in the story. Yeah, because they they don't have any crossover with this Doctor storyline, and they don't have any impact on the story. They're just there every in every, in each episode. It's just a few minutes of them, you know, lazing around trying to find this satellite with very with like a an old pirate's periscope kind <laughs> of thing in their pocket, or like some kind of radio thing on a bit of string. Um. Yeah. And the only sort of they don't, they don't even do anything useful in the story because 
they get captured by the Bannermen in episode uh, at the end of episode three, episode two, sorry. So they get captured, and then uh, Ray finds them and sets them free. The only other thing they do is tie up the Bannermen with an old skipping rope. <laughs> That's right. Actually, in that <laughs> bit where Ray sets them free, it's almost like it's it's like. They're, they've only been in it 30 seconds. Like the Bannermen yeah. put them in that headlock. They walk off and Ray immediately comes and sets them free. And I was thinking, what the hell? What was the point of that? Like, what, why was that even written in? Um, but are, are they, because you know, like we get like characters like Jago and Lightfoot and, you know, these sort of double acts that we really warm to. Yeah. Is this the 80s version of <laughs> Jago and Lightfoot? Are they likable enough? Do you no, like they're guys? no, no, they're not. No, they're not. One of the guys you would recognise, um, the guy with the baseball cap. He is actually American, isn't he? Or he is American. He's definitely got a real accent. Yeah. yeah. So he, in an attempt to make him seem very American, they've put him in like a New York baseball oh. cap and jacket and stuff. Yeah, but just to re- really bring it home in case you hadn't realised. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He had a small part in Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Did he? He's like um, Marvin Acme. In Roger Rabbit, he's the guy that plays patty cake with um, Jessica Rabbit. Oh right, well I wouldn't, I didn't realise. <laughs> yes, um, so you'd recognise him from from the movie Roger Rabbit. But um, so these two American guys, they don't do anything. They're not integral to the story. They're not important. It's just a bit of a side, just to see what else is going on in the area, while the Doctor's off doing whatever. Mm. And the other one's accent isn't particularly great is it no. um stubby k was it what was was wise muller wise muller wise muller yeah his yeah. accent's a bit dodgy whereas at least the other one sounds genuine what are you doing man you're supposed <laughs> to be tracking that satellite <laughs> <laughs> it, yeah it's not great is it um, why do they phone the white house at the beginning as well it's like is it that easy to get i want to speak to the white house well there's you know, an, the, yeah the, the, how they phone the White House is interesting as well. Yes. Because there's an actual police box, mm. isn't there? In the middle of a field. In the middle yeah. of a field, there's an actual police box, which isn't the TARDIS, no. which has got a working phone in the middle of a field. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, it's the 50s. <laughs> it's, Actually, yeah. one thing that does bug me, not bug me, but always amazes me about whenever we get to like police boxes in in Doctor Who like you know you're supposed to have one's a TARDIS or one's either meant to be a real police box or another TARDIS yeah I always find it interesting that it seems to look better like if you look at the one that Sylv lands in outside the holiday camp the windows are all black and it looks absolutely battered to hell (laughs) you look at the one that they talk on which is it must be the same prop but all the windows seem new and you get this all, I don't know if it's just because the light's shining through them or what. I yeah. was thinking, is it a different prop? Have they got a spare TARDIS prop? But why do they always use the better one for the sort of cameo TARDIS appearance, if you like? Because it's the same in Legopolis. Look at Tom's one yeah. that he's in, where the windows are literally falling apart. Okay. That's yeah. held together with Certe. And then, and then in the sort of um, cameo scene, the signs all painted nicely, the windows are all nice. I'm thinking. Don't know. Just, it just I always find it weird that the TARDIS that they use as the cameo seems to be in much better condition than the actual, the one that we see on screen as the real prop. If that makes sense. Yeah. It? Yeah. But anyway, but yeah. Apart from that, um, yeah, interesting that it's. <laughs> apart working. from that, yeah, <laughs> it's got a real phone in it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So the two. Um, 
the two American guys, um, just no need to pay them any attention really at all. Um, it's one of those situations where I didn't really have any, I had no feeling towards them. It was just like meh. Just yeah. two random American guys having no part of the story, really. <laughs> um, let's move on to Billy and Ray. Billy and Ray. Billy and Ray. So Billy, is Billy the mechanic as well? Is he the guy that... Yeah. Yeah, so when they first land, obviously the the tour bus is completely just wrecked. Did you um, laugh when he breaks the crystal? The doctor's <laughs> like, now look, whatever you do, be careful with this crystal because I've only got one. Oh, oh yeah. I've broken it. It's just like, you, what? Of course, it had to happen, yeah. didn't it? Yeah, yeah, it had to happen. Um, but yeah, it's um, Billy is the mechanic as well as the the lead singer in the in the entertainment, the band. Mm. Um, and uh, there's like a little kind of little sort of, not love story, but like um, uh, uh, the character Ray, who ends up helping the Doctor quite a lot. She obviously has got a big thing uh, for Billy. Um, however, his head is turned immediately um, mm. at the, upon the sight of Delta, who I actually say we'll come on to in a little while, but she's she was quite a pretty lady. Yeah, yeah, um, little foxy lady, and um, she yeah, catches his eye straight away. Yeah, isn't he? like he's not interested in Ray at all. But as soon as she walks, he's like, "Whoa!" He's it's like, like Here cartoon we go. eyes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So Ray, she's like the um, like the plucky little Welsh lass mm. um, who we mentioned earlier could have been a companion. Yeah. Um, but she ends up, she does end up helping helping the Doctor quite a lot throughout this, um, and she also carries a spare Allen key. Which it happens to be the perfect size for the neck uh, chains that the Americans are wearing that she can, <laughs> <laughs> that she can free, which is uh, interesting, right in there. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Not lazy at all. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So Ray, what do you reckon? She's um, she's she's quite a cool little character. She she's likable. Yeah. She's likable. I think um, if she'd have become a full time companion, I think she would have got irritating very quickly because. Mm -hmm. um, She's not exactly written as particularly clever or, do you know what I mean? Her, the, the way that the character's written is very one-dimensional. So I don't know. She might, I mean, they might have fleshed her out a bit if she'd become a full-time companion, but she is likable. Yeah. yeah. And there's a nice um, rapport between her and, and the Doctor, I think, because, for example, the, the bit when um, Billy dedicates the song and she looks up <laughs> thinking it's going to be to her and then they both her and the Doctor look to their right and it's actually dedicated to the Shimmeron Queen and she's heartbroken and... So yep. she ends up dancing with the doctor, doesn't she? So there's some <laughs> nice little moments like that, you yeah. know, between the two of them. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah and then uh, Billy is the other, the other guy. So he, well, he's um, just a weirdo, isn't he? He's just now. <laughs> yeah, he's a bit strange because he's got. Um, he attempts to try and fix this bus. He has no clue what it is because you'd be a bit freaked out, wouldn't you, if this <laughs> camper van style tour bus lands in a lands you know, in front of your garage and it's got a satellite <laughs> like jammed into the front of it with a crystal that powers it. And in the boot, there's like this huge turbine motors, <laughs> like space, you know, space travel equipped and stuff. So, but he doesn't seem phased at all. He's just like, oh yeah. yeah. He's not phased by anything, is he? He's not phased by a baby, a green alien baby hatching out of a silver egg, doesn't even flinch. He's not phased by a, a space bus that's crash landed at the front of the holiday camp. He's not phased by the fact that he's turning himself green yeah. <laughs> by drinking this, whatever that stuff's meant to be. Yeah, um, yeah he's not phased at all. He's, he's as cool as a cucumber, this guy. I, yeah. I was just laughing about them because um, 
you know, they do all that effort to mend that lovely bus and <laughs> and obviously they're trying to evacuate the camp and then what happens at the last second? The bannermen arrive and blow the bus up with one grenade and <laughs> the whole bus with all those, you know, it's, it's just like, how can we just get rid of these characters really quickly? Because yep. we don't need them in the story anymore. I know they all get on the bus. The bus gets blown up. We never see it again. And they're never mentioned again either. <laughs> it's just like, true. True. Just, yeah. Let's just wrap that storyline up straight away. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. He, um, yeah. That's a good point. The bus. It, the only dark moments in this story really is um, mm. so the whole tour bus with all these aliens who were en route to Disneyland, they, they get uh, obliterated. They get obliterated, yeah, as well as the the bounty hunter. Oh uh, yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so what did you think of Billy's acting? Because I've got to say, pretty terrible. much everyone in this, yeah. there's there's some good people in this. There's a good cast. Uh, a lot of the cast are good. And then there's a couple of the cast that aren't so good. And I don't think Bill is particularly good. He's he's cheesy. Um, his acting is not great. Uh, yeah, I wasn't over impressed with Billy, I have to say. As I say, he's just damn right weird. What do you think, Tim? Um, yes, he, his acting was terrible. Let's not, yeah. let's not beat around the bush. He was, uh, it was pretty terrible, and um, he's he had this horrible kind of stalker vibe to me as well. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, um, because he's obviously not interested in Ray, which is upsetting her quite a lot. Um, but when Delta turns up, he's all over her and just mm. follows her and stares at her the whole time. Yeah, that staring thing he does is yeah. just is just weird. He doesn't really say much. He just stares a lot, and mm. and the fact that he starts taking the the food thing in a syringe that she gives the the baby, baby so he can turn into a shimmer on and stuff it's all very stalkerish and but she seems to like it though delta she seems yeah. equally as smitten so each to yeah. their own she thaws out very quickly doesn't she delta i mean she pulls a gun on mel within the first five minutes and then she's yeah. sort of quite yeah she's quite mellow by the end of it well you know. tight yeah mm. um before we go on because i know this is this this will tear you apart afterwards because of your mutated ocd Mm. <laughs> um the bounty hunter yes uh, i know yeah brian hibbard brian hibbard brian and the hibbard. band was the band was the flying pickets of course it was yes, yes. Oh, um, goodness. yeah their number one hit in 18, 1983 only you only you only you I can no. I'm thinking of the difference. I can only think of the Yazoo song. <laughs> only you. Yeah, uh, yeah. Flying pickets. I knew I recognised him. Yeah. Yes, Brian Hibbard is unfortunately no longer with us, but uh, oh, yes, really? played oh. the um, played the bounty hunter. Right. Thank goodness for that. There we relax go. and carry on. Carry on as we were. Right. So, um, Billy and Ray. Mm. Ray, likable character, potentially a good companion, but Billy, yeah, bit, bit strange stalkery guy. Uh, yeah. Talk about Delta. Delta. Um, the queen of the Shimmeron people. Mm. Um, I thought she was neither good or bad, really. She was just, she just served a, a kind of, per I'm talking about her performance now. Yeah, yeah. Um, Belinda, Belinda Main. Um, yeah, she just, she served the purpose. She didn't really go all out with her performance or anything. She was quite, dare I say, wooden in some places. Yeah. Um, she wasn't really yeah. given a lot to do. But um, I don't think she was, yeah, I don't think she was good or bad. I think she, yeah, I think, I th actually, I think she was fine. Let's put it that way. She's um, <laughs> she's not overacting. She's not really giving a lot at all. Yeah. Um, I suppose yeah. she's trying to perhaps um, convey the alien side. 
to her personality. Yes, by I being would say. a bit odd. <laughs> hmm. I tell you what I do find odd is that Mel, <laughs> sort of, kind of, uh, a bit like Billy. Um, you know, she has a gun pulled on her from the Shimron Queen, <laughs> Delta. She sees yeah. this baby hatch, but when she sees the Doctor, she sort of doesn't really mention any of that. <laughs> She's just like, oh, yeah, I've got this um, Shimron Queen in the room with me, and yeah, a bit odd. Doesn't sort of mention the fact that she's had a gun pulled on her and that there's this crazy oh, alien okay. that's growing up at the rate of knots, um, you know. But, but yeah, no, I think the Delta, she's fine. Yeah, nothing, nothing, neither good nor bad. Yeah, that's what I thought. It was, mm. she was just there and that that's it you can't yeah. there's no standout bits or anything like that yeah. um but she's quite I, I wouldn't say I had like a mini crush on her but she was very hot for a for a for a shimmer on queen yeah well perhaps she, they're a, perhaps they're a hot race you know perhaps, perhaps not anymore yeah. now billy's part of it actually i was just thinking how unfortunate they are um because if you think about that epic battle scene at the beginning in the quarry, which, by the way, I do like. I like the fact they've clearly built this um, full-size part of the spaceship. Okay. I mean, I imagine yep. it was just one corner of it. Um, I like the fact they've gone to that effort to try and make it look like there's a big spaceship there. Um, it's a shame that we cut to the terrible wide shot of the, you know, the CGI <laughs> model. Yep. Um, yep. But, um, but, yeah, I was just thinking about the other aliens we get to see on that planet. So if, if all the Shimron's females look like her and all the guys look like that green guy gets shot it's uh, got to feel a bit sorry for him really yeah yeah they, so at the beginning this is like the battle we were talking about where the banner yeah. men are having a shootout at um unsurprisingly a quarry yes in doctor who in classic who it wouldn't be a <laughs> be classic who without a quarry uh gun battle would it no um, and she escapes um with what looks like uh, a plastic Tupperware thing filled with bubble paper, like oh bubble that, wrap, yeah, yeah, which turns out to be an egg, which turns out to be a little green, <laughs> a little, <laughs> a little green baby, <laughs> which hatches and then grows into a fully. <laughs> right, it sounds ridiculous, right? When we say it like this on the podcast, but when you watch it in context. It kind of makes sense. All it, I, I imagine that the Shimmeron people just grow to their fully mm. grown state within like forty-eight hours or something. Yeah, but is that, is that man meant to be a Shimmeron though? You know, the one that gets shot, the green face man. Is he? I or is he so. a different? Right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, mm, quite a difference in look there. <laughs> quite Go, a big. Yeah. Don't worry about me. <laughs> I'm all right then. Yeah. That, <laughs> I did have a little chuck at that. He's like, go, oh, don't worry. And she's like, save yourself. She's like, all right, cool. Yeah. You got this one out of here. So. <laughs> um, yeah, they're harsh, those shimmer on women. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah. Actually, yeah, the little baby, she she grows up to be this girl who has like this sonic scream thing because she oh, doesn't yeah. speak, does she? She just has like these little like uh, sounds that sound like, I don't know. Little... Actually, that is one part of the story I do quite like. Because yep. um, I like the fact they use that at the end to defeat the Bannermen, because it's like a sort of defence thing, isn't it? Yeah. Um, which I quite like that. Yeah, I quite like the fact the Shimmerons have got that built-in um, defence mechanism or whatever it is, yeah. Yeah, yeah. so she they amplify it, and it? They, they, at the end, they she screeches into a microphone, and which, um, yeah, which Disables smashes a load board, of yeah. windows and everything, yeah. So, and the, little, the, the, the puppet they had as well for the little baby was... 
It's not bad, not actually, for bad, the time. Actually, yeah, it was I a... love the egg. The egg looks like a Sontaran spaceship. I it don't know does, if that's just yeah. coincidental. But I was looking at that thinking, I've, I've got a, t- uh, a toy of that, that egg. Well, it's a Sontaran spaceship. It looks just like that. Yeah, might have to dig that out because cool. it does look good. Actually, the baby isn't too bad, is it? Um, the model. For the yeah. time, the model work and the the sort of effects. I did see there are some, there's like an early edit on the DVD, which I flicked through, where there was a lot more of that. And it it does look co- comical. I think they actually cut it to to look right, a lot better because right. uh, yeah, looking at the original edit of episode one or whatever it was, where you see more of the baby, yeah, it's, it's sort of a bit where it's bobbing about and she kisses it and says, "Oh, my baby," or something. And I'm thinking, "Oh no, that looks terrible." Yeah, but in the episode yeah. itself, it doesn't look too bad because it's not on screen that long, is it? No, true. It's not yeah. too bad. No, not too bad. Let's talk about the Bannermen. Bannermen, very funky sunglasses. I used to have a pair of them. Funky sunglasses, and they look like they've been eating, um, like, cherry-flavoured sweets. <laughs> yeah, that's right, yeah. Because there's the most bizarre bit where they think that Delta's been killed. Because, oh, yeah. you know, when they obliterate the the, the, the happy bus, <laughs> they, um, they all do this thing where they stick their tongues out and make this strange noise, and yeah. So the Bannermen themselves look ridiculous. Let's, let's get that out of the way. They've got they these do. stupid, um, weird 80s, very thin slit sunglasses things. They're in ridiculous hats and helmets. And some of the guys they picked to be, because they've got various actors to play the Bannermen. Some of them are very tall, lanky, skinny guys where their helmet's just rattling all over the place as they're running around. And they've got um, some rather larger fellas should i say to play them who yeah. are just bounding around and yeah they've all got these big flags on their back as well that look really uncomfortable well, like a, got, like a steel rod with a flag on it well they've got banners of, of course oh, ah. me. so <laughs> let's just get out of the way they don't do anything at all in the story other than menacing. just turn up and shoot a few rounds off at people and that is it yeah that's Let, it and stick yeah, their tongue out and stick their tongue out so the actual leader of the bannermen um uh Gavrock. Gavrock, yes. Um I actually quite liked him as a as as the villain. Um I think he was a bit quiet um in some mm. scenes. He was had he had this menacing, sinister, laid back sort of thing going on. Like the, the bit you mentioned at the very beginning where mm-hmm. the doctor first sees him face to face and um I think that was the first time the doctor runs into him. It and is, yeah. He's just yeah. he's just crashing into this massive bit of raw pig. What it looks is like, that? It looks what is like that piece um, of meat. It can't be a real piece of meat. Well, I I I hope not. Because no. it wouldn't have been very good for him at all. It looks like because it's surrounded by like this big bit of fat. It looks like crackling. You know, like when you do like a big pork. Yeah. When you have like pork belly or something like that, he's just. It disturbs me because <laughs> I I just don't know what that is. It clearly. Maybe it's a real piece of meat with something else inside it that he's eating because there's no way he could be eating raw meat like that. I don't know what yeah. that is, but it's disturbing. It's weird, isn't it? Um, it's weird. And you can see the doctor's face as well when he's looking at him eating <laughs> this thing. He's disgusted. But um, So, yeah, uh, Don Henderson. Don Henderson, yeah. Yes, um, which you guys would know from uh, such other... Um, uh, stories um such as uh a carry-on film star wars oh. um pole dark 
What was that? There was a BBC TV series he was in for quite a while. Red Dwarf. Um, um, he's been in loads of things. Um, he's done a lot, yeah. Um, uh, and again, um, uh, yeah, just done loads of stuff. But you would recognise him from Star Wars. If you guys, because when I saw him in this, I instantly recognised him. If you guys think to episode four, um, there's a bit where all of the um, Imperial generals are sat around the table. And he's like, the rebels will continue to, and like, you know, you know that guy with like yeah, the weird yeah. haircut? That's him. I, I recognise him quite. He's one of the, again, a bit like um, I was saying about the other chap. Uh, he's one of those guys that was in quite a lot of TV mm -hmm. um, around this time. Um, I think Bullman was the TV series, looking at Wiki. Um, and I used to like a show called The Paradise Club, which he was also in. He's one of these actors that, um, because of his gruff features, shall we say, very often is cast as the sort of uh, baddie or gruff man. Yeah. Um, and I think, uh, from what I understand, it was, again, a very nice man in real life. Um, yeah. But I think he I think he plays it really well, considering he's playing a, a sort of very pantomime sort of villain in a way yeah um i really like him in this i i i just yeah he's got the look he's he, like you said he does he's quite quiet he does underplay it a little bit mm -hmm. um he looks kind of menacing just in the way he is with his crazy eyebrows and yeah and all that yeah. sort of thing so i yeah i really like don henson in this um as as the gavrock gavrock um, yep yeah and i did hear that he said on the dvd that um he loved playing this part apparently so much so that he said to John Nathan Turner um, can I come back as Gavrock's uh, evil twin brother oh right right <laughs> he really yeah apparently he really enjoyed being be, you know play, being in this so yeah Gavrock to me is is good um, I like him yeah he's I, a good villain he's, he's the only menacing thing in it because like I said the Bannermen aren't menacing at all yeah you know? but he he works I think no I agree I think um he has got he's got I'm a kind of, of the beast thing being a bit again sorry the, or um, Gavrock. he does have a menacing feel and a feel to him and yeah the the one moment in the story where i thought yeah this guy means business was when he uh when he took out the toll master oh yeah you know so when the toll yeah. when he says you know you've there's nothing oh more. i can see you've tried you've tried he's sort yeah. of really sarcastic and then shoots him yeah yeah so when he went that scene i thought oh yeah this guy's um no messing about no he's good he's, he plays the menacing as i say a little bit pantomime baddie but he, he does play it well i think yeah. he's, he's good in it um actually the clip you played in at the start um i think shows sylve starting to get in to the role of the doctor actually yes. that's yeah. one of the notes i made when i was re-watching this because obviously this is the third third story in Silver's first series mm -hmm. um i don't know where it came in terms of production but yeah i think Silver's starting to find his feet a bit because i know yep. he you know he's, he's perhaps a little bit over the top and all that. i, I do, don't like it when they talk to camera like i always that bit where he says oh i think i may have gone too far to the camera always sort of annoys me because it takes you out of it a bit um but yeah, I think Sill's starting to find his feet a bit in this one. And I like yeah. I like that yeah. bit with him and Gavrock together. Yeah, yeah, you get a good good sort of interaction between the two of them. Yes. Indeed. Uh, before we speak about um the Doctor and Mel, mm. um just one other quick support character, which is the the beekeeper who makes the honey. Yes, love this character. Yes. Uh, apparently he's got over ten thousand jars of honey in his in his barn. Well, you know what? Uh, Garonwi, isn't it? Garonwi is the character name. What's yes. the actor called? Hugh Lloyd. Yep. Um, do you know what? 
I, I like the character because he's a nice, simple character, um, instantly likable. But don't you feel a bit sorry for Gor- Goromri when you think about it? Because not only does his house get blown to bits, all his jam gets wrecked. His honey. And his poor old radio gets blown to bits. Yeah. So I always feel a bit sorry for poor old Goromri. How do you say it? Uh, Goromri. Yeah. Goromri. Yeah. Um, yeah, so the Doctor and... Uh, everybody turns up at his house and he's like, can we stay here for a few hours? <laughs> yeah, we won't, won't be any trouble. Yeah, and he's he's instantly welcoming. He's like, yeah, sure, come in. Um, and then, like you say, his livelihood just gets blown to bits. Yeah, the doctor With sets his, a trap knowing that all his jam's going to get ruined. His honey. It, his honey. His yeah, jam. what about jam? Bees don't make jam. Uh, yeah, they? so his honey, yeah, he oh. loses the lot because it just, <laughs> that scene's, that, that's the one scene you're laughing at, isn't it? So when the yeah. bannermen go rushing into the barn, um, there's a booby trap and all of the shelves of all the honey go crashing down so they're all covered in honey. And then when they run outside, the bees are going nuts. <laughs> so they get stung to hell. And then the next time we see them, they've got all these bee stings all over their face. <laughs> it's just funny because Gavrock is so evil and he's got all these blooming bee stings all over his face. <laughs> he just can't take it seriously. It's hilarious. That is pr- That was quite cool, actually. Yeah. 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 Um, so, yeah, good on me. He's... Um, mm. Yeah, so he has to rebuild everything afterwards. Which, Poor but, old boy. He gets a nice end shot, though, doesn't he? It's a lovely little shot of him yeah. at the end because yeah. he kind of knows what's going on, doesn't he? He's, he's good. Yeah. Um, so that's pretty... Yeah, so like we said earlier, there's a lot of support cast in this one. Yeah. Quite a few characters. But let's talk about Mel, um, okay. who has a reasonably okay part in this. I don't remember her doing a great deal. Mm. Um she, she mainly sort of interacts with the Shimron Queen, doesn't she? Yeah, because she shares a, a room. When they get to Shangri-La, they, they bunk up together, don't they? And they share a room. And she's quite happy-go-lucky, Mel, isn't she, at the beginning? She's like... <laughs> <laughs> well, which bed would you like? And then yeah. she pulls a gun on her. <laughs> yeah, she's like really getting into the spirit of it. She's like, is there any preference on beds and stuff like that? And then she... <laughs> then what, what thanks does she get? A gun between a, the eyes. A gun. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Poor old Mel. Yeah. So her, her, her holiday dreams are dashed immediately like Paradise Towers. <laughs> Uh, one day uh, she I wonder if she ever did get that holiday one day oh, yeah. Um, yeah so Mel I, I mean when she left <laughs> all she wanted was a holiday you have to feel sorry for her yeah. you're travelling with the doctor is quite stressful at times mm. um, but yes Mel older Bonnie Langford she's she's not too bad in this I mean she doesn't really do a great deal to to really to mention much about it she um, mm-hmm. she has that bit at the beginning where she's trying to be friendly and gets he gets a gun pointed at her. <laughs> so, so the holiday, <laughs> the holiday is uh, shot to bits. Excuse the pun. <laughs> it is, yeah. <laughs> oh dear. It's, yeah, it's not. It's not working out. <laughs> oh crikey! Right there goes the show. <laughs> uh, right so in a nutshell she doesn't really do a great deal she she um she's quite um she's quite horrified at, at gavrock blowing up the the bus um but quite sneakily says that delta's <laughs> oh god 
<laughs> I can see Adam. He's falling to pieces. Um, it's just that there are so many bits of this that are, are just ridiculous, but I, I still love it. It's, I just can't. <laughs> <laughs> what are you thinking about? Yeah, I'm just laughing at you, mate. Cracking up. Oh, right. um, yeah, so she's quite horrified at the bus being obliterated, but she quite sneakily tries to put Gavrock off the, uh, the scent because... He's like, was Delta on board? And she's like, uh, yeah. Yeah, she's dead. A little bit of quick thinking, yeah. Quick thinking. Um, and then we have the scene where she's just being driven around the countryside, really. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Poor old Mel. She, she doesn't get a lot to do. I think I'm going to compare her a bit to Ray in that the sense that um, she's likeable, yeah. but she doesn't get a lot to do. That's it, yeah. Because she yeah. just jumps in the sidecar with a bike, and then you've got Burton on the on the back. <laughs> you've got Burton, the, the, the camp manager. <laughs> Did you notice that Silv was wearing his his spectacles no. while driving that thing? No, really? Yeah, yeah. In all the long shots, Silv's got um his glasses on, so he can see where he's going. Oh, I didn't clock that. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. So for the the last, I'd probably say for all of episode three. Mel just jumps in the sidecar of the bike while the doctor's zipping around trying to find Delta and and because uh, he rescues the, um, Burton and and Bonnie uh, Mel from from the Bannerman and then she jumps in the sidecar and that's it really we don't really see much of she doesn't really say much apart from the odd scream yeah I was gonna say she does get to do the classic Mel scream doesn't she when the when the baby hatches yes um which yeah. goes on for for a forever yeah. Yeah, but that's uh, yeah. So she, we get the classic male scream. Yeah. Um, but no, she's all right in this. I think the the setting of it um, suits her. Uh, suits Mel. Uh, the holiday camp thing. Yeah, yeah. Work, works quite well with her character. But and she's up yeah. for it as well. She's really into it. But yeah. yeah. Uh, right, Sylve. Sylvester, the doctor himself. Um, mm. I I think I'm going to agree with what you said earlier, mate, because this is um, part of his first series, isn't it? Yeah, it is, yeah. Um, yeah. And what is it, episode three, three. out of four? Um, and he is really getting into it. That scene that I played at the beginning where he's where he's shouting at Gavrock and, you know, that's one of those nice little Sylvester McCoy moments, if you like, where he's really finding the character and, you know, the way that he speaks as well. You know, he's got this very, you know, at the tone at the end, we're leaving, you know. So he's really, like, crafting his words, like, as the character. Yeah, yeah. Um, that you really get into it, yeah. And I, I, I quite like Sylvan this because he's not at that point in his, he's not at that point in his era where he's rolling every R and he's mm. you know at that point. So he's still getting there, but it's kind of a nice balance to me. Yeah, I was thinking actually, like you said about him doing that speech because he's sometimes when Sylvester does speeches later on, he does really go full force and like says lots of rolling R's and blah blah blah. With this one, it's a little bit more um, uh, underplayed. Yeah, um, but it shows that Silver's taking the role seriously. I think you know you can tell that he's trying to act the I'm in control here sort yeah. of thing. Um, and so yeah, I, I do like do like that. I think we're getting to see Silv become the Doctor. You know, from yeah. here on, really. Yeah. Some of the later stories, when he really gets into it, um, he's going a bit OTT, perhaps. But um, not really. Uh, I think when we first see him, you know, when he's because uh, what you have to remind me, mate. What's the reason why Mel gets on the bus by herself and he's following along in the TARDIS? 
I I think it's just because he thinks that the bus is a bit rackety and he's just <laughs> the doctor being the doctor and sort of automatically assumes the worst. So he thinks I'll just go in the TARDIS, it'll be safer and keep an eye on things. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Um it's funny actually because I always used to love that shot, the model shot of the TARDIS where it saves the bus. Yeah. Um and it's almost <laughs> as if my memory is playing a trick because when I watched it the other day I was thinking, God, it looks awful. <laughs> but I, I used to love that. I think it's just because the TARDIS looks chunky but um yeah it's weird actually because there's a couple there's one or two really good little model shots in this like this the american rocket or whatever isn't start where clearly they've you know tried to do something good and then there are a couple of really awful model shots in it like where the satellites flying towards the bus that isn't even moving it's a sort of real mixed bag it's almost as if yeah. two different effects companies were doing the shots or something mm-hmm. you know um but yeah yeah i know what you mean it's um it's it, yeah I think that's just a. It must be a budget thing, or well, there is. You know. I was going to say there is. There is only. There is one thing in this I can't excuse because I can. I oh, can no. overlook. Yeah. Do you know what it is? I I don't. But go All on. Right. Well, that's going to say because I can overlook everything really yeah. because I just I find it an enjoyable enough watch if I'm in the right mood. Mm-hmm. But the one thing I just always gets me every time is when Gavrock puts his hand through that speaker that's clearly made of paper. Oh. <laughs> I was just like, All right. oh, that's just—it's just awful, you know. They—they they could have done it. They—they they definitely could have done better than that. It's—it's it's clearly just a piece of paper, isn't it? Of course, yeah, yeah. And he gets really angry, but I know it's a minor thing. But it's the only thing which might surprise you in this. It's the only thing that gets me every time that I just think, oh, that is terrible, well, production-wise. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point, actually. Um, I can overlook everything else. <clears throat> well, there wasn't really much else in terms of. Um, that they had to do in CG, really, was there? Or any kind of blue screen compositing stuff. We had the ship, you know, the Bannermen's ship. Yeah, I mean, that's that's possible. Yeah, a couple of times. I mean, that's. I, I don't think they could have done much better, really, at the time. No. With what they had available. So that doesn't look too bad, really. And everything else was practical. So, like, all of, like, um, all the explosions and the little... Uh, the little explosions that went off when they were firing guns and stuff and driving around and stuff, it was all... It was all done practical, so... Yeah, that's what I mean. That's bad. why I think that, that thing is a sort of attention to detail because that's something they could have easily just put, like, a little mesh or something. It's just the fact that it, paper, yeah. it, just, it does seem very, very lazy. But yeah. it's such a, it's a... Yeah, it's such a small point to pick up on because there, there are other bits in it. I mean, like the bus and everything and, and, and all that. I think they've, they've made quite an effort with the bus, actually, to, to make that look... Right. I, it looks good. I like yeah. it. It's very retro and, yeah, it's just, yeah. I like what they did there making making that souped up tour bus i think it looks, yeah. it's oh good idea actually yeah there is there is one bit that did make me laugh when i was when i watched it actually is when the little baby little green baby hatches yeah and then it goes off to something else that the doctor's doing and when it cuts back there's a little girl in a in oh a, yeah in a weird little suit with her face painted green because <laughs> and, <laughs> and she's just standing there like with yeah, a strange like, build on set. Yeah, it's like okay, because they didn't explain at that point that obviously this race of people mature into their like fully grown form really quickly. Mm. So you think, hold on a minute, I'm sure that was a tiny little baby like 45 seconds ago. Yeah, but it did make me laugh. The effect, like this little silvery weird costume thing that like Finn out of Adventure Time with like this painted green face and stuff. But <laughs> apparently, somebody in the in the um, 
I, I don't know what was it that not the a press screening or something for this again I, I saw this on the production notes or something apparently that was the one bit where somebody in the press screening did laugh and John Nathan Turner was really annoyed that the person behind oh. as soon as the girl with the little painted green face came on apparently someone in the press screening went <laughs> which really annoyed JNT he wasn't very impressed with that oh, um, actually right. there is one other there is one other thing um, that does grind my gears in this story um, and that's the music. The, the oh, music yep. is so overbearing in this. And I quite like some of the 80s music. It's, it's not really that. Um, but it's just the blimmin... It almost, I always thought it was stock music. Mm-hmm. Can't, but, but apparently not. Apparently they actually recorded it. Um, but, you know, the... It's the sort of thing you put in a, um, a farce or a comedy. And, and it's just, yeah, I find the music in this really, really overbearing and over the top. It, it it does actually annoy me in parts of it, especially episode two. Episode two, the music yeah. is just so <laughs> over the top. Um, so that is the other thing that knocks us down in terms of my enjoyment, really. It's, it's just the music. Yeah, I've got the same thing written down here, mate. The music just did my head in at some There's points. So much of it. It was really cheesy as well. Like some parts of it were just really... Oh, some Jesus. of it was so awful. Yeah. I mean, there are some bits like the bit in the clip you played. Now, that's, that's all right. That works quite well because it's just a simple yeah. build-up of a, it's underlying the scene. But the bits where they're racing around, you know, through the countryside and... <laughs> it's just, it, yeah, it just is totally, yeah, totally over the top. Yeah. May, I mean, <clears throat> in a strange kind of way, it does work because it fits the tone of the story, which is this it very does. cheesy, yeah. crazy, tacky... It does thing. fit it. I know what you yeah. mean. It does fit it. Um, and actually, the music when they're in the dance and all that 50s music, that, that's fine. We expect that. You know, that kind of is very back to the future, isn't it? All the, yep. you know, the bit in the dance hall and stuff. That's, that's great. No problem with that. Yeah, it's just all the overbearing and, and that classical bit of music that gets used. That just is, is, I just find it really annoying. And then, of course, <laughs> we get the bit at the end. Um, Here's to the future. Oh, yeah. Yes. Yeah. I mean, it. Yeah, I can I can actually overlook that because it's kind of part in fits in with the period if you like, but yeah, very very cheesy. I didn't didn't enjoy the music in this one. Okay, yeah. uh, before we get on to scores, a couple of bits of trivia. Ooh. The first episode to feature the question mark umbrella. Yes, indeed. Yes, Silv's idea apparently. Yep. Hmm. So, and you can tell it's the first one as well, because when he first comes out the TARDIS, he's holding it up to the camera. Almost, <laughs> <laughs> almost he's like, ha look. <laughs> yeah, he hasn't got enough question marks, does he? Yeah. <laughs> um, and location-wise, I know you're a buff for locations yes. and stuff. Yes, yes. So this was filmed at the Barry Island. Barry Island, yeah. In Wales, the Butlins, it was Butlins camp at the time in Barry Island, which um, has been demolished since then. Mm. However... That like exact location was used as the um, as a stand-in bomb site for the episodes "The Empty Child" and "The Doctor Dances." Oh, yeah, interesting. So they went back to uh, to do it there. So is it is it like it's probably like a housing estate or something now? Is it? Um, I, you just, or they haven't uh, they haven't built another holiday camp or anything? No, there, no. Yeah, I see. You can spot a little um, lighthouse. In the distance there, so because oh, okay. I, I was thinking, if I ever do go down there to try and find where that was filmed, um, <laughs> that would be the only thing really. That's well, if, if I assume that's still there, that'd be the only thing where you could sort of pinpoint it is that you can see that 
that bit. Oh, okay. um, yeah. But I guess, yeah, I would imagine it's changed completely now. Right. Recognition, yeah. Okay. Uh, and just lastly, all the other scenes filmed in the, well, there's only a couple, but at the very beginning, I think, uh, when the, the Doctor and Mel are actually in the TARDIS, mm. um, those scenes were actually filmed during production of the following story, Dragonfly, uh, Dragonfire. <laughs> Dragonfly is surprising. Oh, right. I didn't know that. Yeah. Uh, oh, I guess because of what was set in the TARDIS setup, I suppose, probably. Yeah. Because yeah. there was a lot more of that. In fact, you know, we were laughing earlier about poor old Mel going about on about holiday. Yeah. Um, try and dig out the extras. Um, now, where was it? Because there isn't a deleted scene section, but somewhere on that DVD. Oh, it's in the original cut of episode one. That you can watch on the DVD. There's a, there's a whole extra scene of them in the TARDIS talking about going on holiday. Oh, right. Okay. Which you will you will really enjoy. So uh, cool. yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. Have a look at that on the uh, on the DVD. Let's move on to scores, buddy. Okay. Um, whose turn is it first mm. this week? I I'm not sure, actually. It's, it's me, you, I think, isn't it? Yeah, I think yeah. so. I'm going to give this a... I'm going to give this a 6 out of 10. A 6 out of 10, yeah, okay. I'm struggling, actually. I'm struggling with a score. Because <laughs> I, do, I do find this a bit of a guilty pleasure. I do kind of enjoy it. There's a lot of faults of it. I've written seven out of ten, okay. which might be a bit high for it. I might be, but I, but I, but I do enjoy it. I do think it's a fun watch. Um, it, it, as you, you know, as you heard earlier, it makes us laugh, and <laughs> and I do think there's some nice ideas in it as well. Um, yeah, yeah. I'm probably scoring it just a bit high. See, I was at six point five seven somewhere around there. I'll, I'll go with seven. Seven. Go with your 10. gut instincts. Yeah, yeah, I enjoyed it. I did enjoy it. Yeah, cool. I I enjoyed it. I didn't when I, I remember when I first watched it. I thought. This has got a reputation for being just absolutely shockingly bad mm. and terrible. But you have to just leave that at the door, really, and just take the story for what it is. It's just a, a, just a real fun, you know, quirky little little story, really. Yeah. And like you say, it has got its faults. It has got some problems there. But, you know, we've reviewed worse. I think so, it yeah. It's, it's yeah. bonkers. I think if you're in the right mood for it, you can just... Wag it on and, and and just enjoy it. Yes, and as yeah. um, as uh, uh, Jay, who sent in an audio clip for us, um, mentions in his review, it's one of those things that if you're just having a bit of a down day and you need cheering up, just stick this on. Yeah, it will it will make you laugh in various places, and it's a good fun watch as well. So, what did you guys think? Uh, over on Twitter, um, we had uh, uh, Bob Fleming. Uh, at, oh, Bob from Proctor Who. Yeah, from Proctor. Great podcast. Uh, he says, uh, his sort of name, sorry, is at uh, Bo Fleming. Uh, he says, I actually love this. Uh, gets bad press, but some interesting ideas. Always had a soft spot for this one. A great baddie, too. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and uh, James uh, at JDJED says, appalling. <gasps> bad acting, weird characters, bizarre plot, and dreadful incidental music by Def Kef. Uh, nearly stopped watching. Oh, no yeah, good. I know what you mean about the music, but yeah. <laughs> um, right, yeah, let's uh, jump over to uh, Facebook. And um, we had uh, Lewis Palmer, who says it's utterly mad. Uh, the picture you've put up from the DVD makes it look like an epic war story. Uh, I can't help laugh as I think back to this story. Uh, it's just bizarre. Uh, in all seriousness, though, uh, this was probably the lowest point in the show's history. And it doesn't give my favourite Doctor a great starting point. Uh, I do like Sylvan this, though, but Ken Dodd, uh, Ken Dodd 
Weird Green Girl and Butlins make this story, in Stephen Moffat's words, proper bonkers. Mm. Uh, Sammy Satine, she says, okay, so Delta and the Bannermen. All in all, <laughs> seems to me like a bit of silly fun. Uh, I like Ray. She seems pretty cool. Interesting how the baby, the princess, starts off really green and then gets paler as she gets older. Uh, <laughs> I like um, uh, Mr. Gumby or Mr. Gumble, uh, the man with the bees. Uh, I'm oh, not yeah. sure about Lilac Sorry. Man with the horse teeth. <laughs> the bloke <laughs> who tells the Doctor and Mel they won a prize. Uh, I think she's referring to Ken Dodd there. Yeah. Uh, Gavrock <laughs> is mean and nasty. I give it 8 out of 10 for silliness. Oh. Uh, let's play an um, audio clip from um, Mr. J. Kent. Hello, Gary and Adam. Hope you're doing well. Now, I went into Delta and the Bannerman completely blind. I had heard nothing about this story at all before this, and I came out of it pleasantly surprised as I found the whole thing delightfully charming. I love the idea of all these passionate purple starfishes disguising themselves as human to take a trip to Disneyland on their little space bus. In fact, when they all exploded, I felt the most saddened I had in a while. The Welshness of the whole thing was overbearing, but brilliant, like a 1980s torchwood, if you will. And I found the whole thing hilarious, from the way the deaths were overacted to that one guy's concerning obsession with bees. 10,000 jars of honey! It was a nice, fun and light-hearted episode, and I frankly love that. Even if the little fetus baby thing looks like the baby Grinch from uh, How the Grinch Stole Christmas, but never mind that. I'd give this episode a good 7 out of 10 and would certainly whack it on if I felt down in the dubs. I, I think it's brilliant, but cringe-worthingly beautiful. Uh, yeah, so uh, see you next week, and hope you're doing fine. Have a good rest of the show and all that malarkey. Yes. <laughs> Nicely summed up. Yeah. yeah. Cheers, Jay. Nice one. Uh, continuing on Facebook, uh, Ryan Anthony says, I was only thinking of this story yesterday, as on Tuesday I watched The Deadly Assassin for the first time ever. In fact, it's probably the first classic story I've seen in about six months. Wow. You need to watch more classic stuff, Ryan. Mm. Uh, I think this story sometimes gets a lot of undeserved hate. Uh, I find it in an incredibly fun story. The plot was quite good. The Seventh Doctor and Mel were great. Um, uh, well, the seventh Doctor was, he says. Uh, and the supporting cast were likeable, although some characters were a tad overplayed. But hey, it's the 80s. What do you expect? Uh, I especially love the 50s vibe about this. And I must say, I love the bus journey into the past. And no matter how many negative reviews this gets, I always really like it. I guess it's a guilty pleasure of mine. Like Time and the Rani gives it 8 out of 10. Oh, wow. Uh, George Coppen. Uh, really enjoy this story. It's very 80s, and I feel it's like um, if Comic Relief did a whole episode. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but I do enjoy it. 7.5 out of 10. Okay. Um, and Jeff Waddle. Oh, Jeff. Jeff says, it's inoffensive. Certainly not as bad as fandom would have you believe, but mm. not full of excitement either. 6 out of 10. Good ideas. Better than most of what came previously, but not as good as what comes later. Yes, yeah, good point. There we go. Anything on Geeks? Uh, yeah. Um, let's have a look. I think we had one on Twitter this week, actually. Um, I always struggle to save them. Right, so, yeah, Mike Taylor, whose uh, name is at Cyberleader1010. Oh, yeah. He says yeah. Uh, he loves this one so much, and he, he thinks it's a real guilty pleasure. Uh, a lot of people say that, don't they? Mm. You know, it's a, it's a guilty pleasure. Yeah. Um, Spence Horton on Facebook says uh, he liked it. Uh, there was a bit of overacting, which went with the era, but the story was okay. Uh, Paula Black says she's always liked the story. Will Lloyd, he says uh, he loves his, this story and thinks it's really underrated. He gives it 9 out of 10. Okay. 
Okay, 500-year-old diary says, hmm, I love the 50s style of the story. I loved Ray, and she would have made a great companion. It has some fun to it, but on the whole, I find it a bit underwhelming. Bonnie Langford is as irritating as ever. Her screaming at the end of episode one haunts me forever. It's one I don't love, but don't hate. So, yeah, a bit in the middle. Adam Tyne, Lord Fishwick says, yeah, it's a good story. I call it a fun one with, uh, with the dancing in part one. A bit of dancing in there, isn't there? <laughs> uh, Richard Hawkes, uh, the perfect feel good Doctor Who story. Uh, if I'm feeling down, I whack this on and I'm soon singing and dancing. God, that tune does get stuck in your head, doesn't it? <laughs> Here's the future. Um, it could have been very dark considering its subject matter, but it's a breath of fresh air after the last couple of years. Yeah, actually, that is a good point, actually, because Colin Baker's here was, was pretty dark. So, this is True. a definite change of tone. Yep. Uh, a couple more. Okay, um, Matthew Blanks, he says, um, excellent opening on the first episode. Uh, also like the cliffhanger between two and three. I think it's been a while, but they got out of it far too easily. Uh, <laughs> otherwise, Ken Dodd, that's all I have to say. Yeah, I, don't, I must admit, you know, I said I liked the resolution to the first cliffhanger. I don't like this resolution to the second one where they just walk away. Oh, it's right. it's yeah. really weak, isn't it? Yeah. Um, yeah. And just two more. We've got Kieran Knight. He says, uh, enjoyed it, though I prefer Paradise Towers and Dragonfire in season. Sorry, Gary. Series 24. <laughs> Ken Dodd is entertaining in his cameo and the Welsh beekeeper is a brilliant little character. The story is a bit confusing and the actress who plays Delta wasn't all that great, but I give it a 7 out of 10, Kieran okay. says. And finally, Finn Walsh, I really do like this story. I hear quite a lot of negative reviews, but I do think it's an easy watch, and Sylvester is brilliant, as always. And I, uh, Finn's giving it 8.5 out of 10. Okay. So, actually, I, I don't know about you, but I'm quite surprised at the high scoring, and I'm quite pleased in a way, because I think it gets quite a bash in this one, um, and I don't think it's all that bad. No, I, I'm, I am shocked as well. I thought there were going to be a lot of ones and twos out of tens and Me too, some yeah. proper criticism there. But no, that's um, quite surprising. Yeah. Quite a bit of love there for Delta and the Bannerman. Yes. All good. Um, Okie dokie, what are we going to do next week, my good man? Oh, next week um, we're going to do a Chibnall story, oh. uh, which we thought would be appropriate. Um, so we're going to be looking back at 42. Yes, 42. David Tennant. David Tennant, yeah. Yes. So... Yeah, that should be interesting to see what we see Chibnall's writing style. Yes. Um, is that the one that's actually it's actually set in real time, isn't it? Um, Given the title? Yes. They, I remember? I think so, yeah. I've only seen it once. Mm. I think it's one of the tenant ones that hardly ever gets uh, mentioned. Um, mm. I know for me, I've only seen it once before. Um, I certainly haven't watched in, it for a very long time. Yeah, yeah it's in real time. They Something about, yeah, they have exactly 42 minutes to save... To, to try and rescue a, a ship or something yeah yeah but anyway that'll be um hmm. an inter- so we're going back to modern who next week modern and like you say we're going to look at a chris chibnall yeah uh story which is definitely appropriate i think so yeah Indeed. yeah it'd be interesting watch yes and i think uh yeah i think we're going to wrap there dude okay So that is episode 76 done. And it's been a crazy, a bit of a crazy one. So uh, <laughs> apologies for us falling about laughing for 
like silly idiots for for quite a large portion of that but i kind of expected that anyway because it is a we have reviewed a fairly bonkers story and it's quite quite nuts you know overall so um that is what i enjoy about the mccoy era it's got its own feel to it i just you always know there's going to be fun discussion when you do a mccoy story i think that's why i love it so much actually absolutely it's definitely got a, a, its own its own feel for sure look and feel um and we've had some cool news as well. So remember to check out um, and pre-order the uh, Lethbridge Stewart audiobooks. Uh, we'll stick a note in the show notes, uh, a link sorry, in the show notes for those. Uh, they look very cool. And we're looking forward to some of those Target books as well when they get reissued. Oh, yeah. They should be good. So next week, we're going to be reviewing 42. So look out for the, uh, the post on Facebook um, on Sunday or Monday morning, wherever it goes, whenever it goes live, probably Sunday night. So we'd love to hear your views on those and we always read them out because we, we really like your opinions and, and your views and all that stuff. Uh, so head over to the website bigblueboxpodcast.co.uk From there you can listen to this show again and you can listen to all of the previous shows that we've done all the way back uh, to episode one. You can also subscribe to the show. Uh, you can zip off to iTunes and Stitcher Radio and all that stuff. Um, and if you guys listen to the show regularly and you like it or you dislike it, whatever you want if you could give us a review that would be really really handy um uh, just nip into itunes and or stitcher whatever um that would be really awesome uh remember to check out um adam's channel the geeks handbag over on youtube and facebook um some uh, always uh, amazing videos that he puts up there what's coming next for youtube um it will be the unboxing of the new ninth doctor titans <sighs> yeah cool 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 yeah, it's a good, fun one to do. I like doing the unboxing ones. Ah, oh, nice one. Yeah. Uh, yes, so we hope you have a cracking week and uh, we will see you then. Until then, my name's Gary. My name's Adam. And remember... And... Uh, <laughs> Alonzi! <laughs>